Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Going public, Democrats announce open impeachment hearings as President Trump fights back in his own way. We got to impeach him because we can't beat him. How far are Republicans willing to bend? We'll ask counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, and the number three House Democrat, Jim Clyburn, next. Plus, Iowa's show of force as a policy divide deepens. Where should get the money? I think they're running in the wrong presidential primary. Democrats test their strength in Iowa. Why are the early states so up for grabs? And inside the Yang Gang, from social media curiosity to cash flush contender, how the Yang family's story fuels the candidate's message. It would never occur to me not to talk about our son. The exclusive first interview with Andrew Yang and his wife, Evelyn, in moments. Dana Bash in for Jake Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is in fighting mode. President Trump spent Saturday night at a UFC fight in New York City, perhaps fitting for a president whose own fight here in Washington is escalating to a new public phase. Thursday, the House of Representatives voted along party lines to advance the impeachment inquiry. On his way to the arena, the president slammed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as, quote, unhinged and called the impeachment inquiry, quoting again, a scam and a hoax. The president also said he would invite Ukrainian President Zelensky to the White House. This as Speaker Pelosi delivered a forceful blow of her own, writing a new letter to her caucus that the president will be held accountable, saying, quote, the president's actions undermine national security, jeopardized the integrity of our elections and violated his oath to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution. Joining me now to give the view from inside the White House is Counselor to the President, Kellyanne Conway. Thank you so much for being here this morning. morning, Let's just start with the basics. The President of the United States asked a foreign power to investigate a top political rival. We read it in the summary of the July 25th call. We also saw him do it in public. Was that appropriate? Well, I have the transcript of the call right here, and I'd like you to show me where that is. I mean, you can circle okay. where there's a quid pro quo. You can circle nope, where I'm not asking about to, excuse me, where he mentions 2020, where he meant, where the president mentions holding up aid. The Ukrainian president has said he didn't realize any aid was being held up. Quote, he felt no pressure. And this entire phone call is about two presidents of respective countries uh, talking about how they got elected. The president of Ukraine says, I modeled so it after you, draining the swamp. Well, but well, let me, Dan, let's I'm be get, fair. We don't need Ukraine's help to be I'm not, Joe I'm not, Biden any more than we need I'm not asking about that right now. I'm going to ask about the quid, quid pro quo. But that's important. I, no, what's important is jo- needs, the question I'm focusing on right now Biden. is the substance of the call. You mentioned the transcript. So let me read the part that I'm referring to and that, frankly, sparked uh, this, uh, this impeachment inquiry. This is the president. There's a lot of talk about Biden's son. 
that Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. This is the president asking another foreign leader to look into a man who is the leading candidate to be his political rival. No. You don't have to he, say 2020 for it to be clear. No, that's, that, I have to push back on all of that. Okay. First of all, he, look at what he asked him to do. He asked him to investigate what happened when Joe Biden, as vice president of the United States, Dana, stopped a prosecution of a company where his, his son, who, as, as his son has admitted, only got those jobs because of his last name, only got those contracts because of his last name. He's talking about 2016, not 2020. And respectfully, Joe Biden is not his main political rival. Joe Biden was in Iowa yesterday and said he was in Ohio. And why does the president the tweet about there. Joe Biden all the time? But, but he uh, tweets me, about many things. But I want to say no, no, something no, I'm going to say, you said something, you said something that needs to be fact-checked. Excuse me, CNN itself had, was Please talking about CNN. Let me talk about... I'm not attacking CNN. CNN itself was talking about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. On May 12th, CNN's own John King reported on his show that Hunter Biden worked for a natural gas company in Ukraine. That is totally fair game to ask whether he made money. Okay, so, so what, because you brought that up, I want to tell you that a couple things. Current and former Ukrainian prosecutors general have publicly said that Ukraine does not have any information about any wrongdoing by Hunter Biden. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the U.S. government, the EU, the IMF, all wanted this prosecutor that you're talking about fired because he was not right. We had these conversations six weeks ago when Nancy Pelosi jumped the gun before she read the transcript of the call, believe the false reporting that there were eight quid pro quo requests in the transcript. They're not there. Believe that the president said he was holding up aid. Not there. Believe that the president said he wanted the 2020 rival investigated. Not there. Joe Biden is not insulated from his past actions just because he's running for president. Okay. You know if what? anything, the scrutiny should so be what higher saying, if you want to be okay, president Okay, so what, you're, what I hear you saying, and you tell me if, if this is correct, is that what the president said in this call, which is all I'm trying to ask about right now, asking the Ukrainian leader to look into Joe Biden, that was appropriate. Joe Biden, as a vice president, stopping a prosecution that would have affected his son. Excuse but he's me. also a political and the rival. rival. No, the president mentioned 2016. He mentioned investigating So that's okay. Back. Regardless of when. And let's give... It's let's okay. Give, it is okay for the president of the United States to ask it's a It's not impeachable. And isn't that where we are now? We're going to get to that. We're going to get high crime or misdemeanor. We're going to get to that in a second. But I just want to stay on this. What, just to be clear, you are saying it is appropriate for the president to have had this conversation. What, what I've said is everything we're being told about this call, including by, excuse me, including by the investigators who are selectively leaking from 10. I'm talking about the, tr- the transcript, the summary of the call. Right. I'm talking about what the president right. said again in the again. summary of the call that you all at the White House put out. Right. Do you feel comfortable with what the president said? I feel comfortable saying that he never mentioned 2020, quid pro quo, holding up aid, Joe Biden and his political rival. What the president said, you just quoted it, Dana. People are talking about Joe Biden and his son. You're darn right they were. The New York Times on May 1st, CNN's John King on May 12th, ABC News' Tom Yamas on June 20th. But it's one thing calling for a reporter to talk about it. It's another thing today, for a president question, to ask about it from another it, call foreign leader. No, that's it's not, not true. So that's what I'm asking. He's, Is it okay? He said looking into Joe Biden stopping the prosecution. And Dana, let's be fair. Ukraine got the aid. As you and I sit here, one presumes they're using that aid. The Ukrainian president said he felt no pressure. He never knew aid was being held up. And but for President Trump, 
there would be no kind of aid going to Ukraine right now. Under under President Obama, he was like the my pillow okay. guy for right. Ukraine. He was sending pillows. All right, so and let's talk about so let's talk about the aid. You, you have you've said, and I believe that what what the president said on that call was okay. Just to, just to I, play. What I said was, we have to be honest with America as to what is not there. What is not there is saying I'm holding up the aid. But what is? Do that's not what I'm asking that. about. That's not what I'm asking about. He's asking him to he's, he's asking, asking him to, to look into. He's it, asking him to look into something. To, to 2016. To it doesn't matter. I mean, he's also it, matters, at, it is the central okay. focus. It matters very much. But it is, about, it is about his political rival, and it is at its he's core, his, regardless of when his, it happened. How is he his he is asking, political rival? He is asking another leader to look into an American politician. That the is okay with vice you. president. That is okay with who you. We know what's, what is fine with me is the day after Bob Mueller's testimony— which was as big of a bomb as the Mueller report, despite the fact that for two plus years, everyone in this town talked about nothing but we spent 35 million taxpayers. The very next day after Mueller testifies, the president of the United States is saying to the president of Ukraine, I'd like you to look back at 26. I heard about CrowdStrike 2016. And I want you and people are talking about this prosecutor had nothing to do. So he doesn't mention 2020. But it does the matter, word, Dana, the word because Biden. you can't get more protection just because you're running for president. And we've seen But I'm Joe saying Biden it doesn't matter if he was running. My point is, it's not about 2020. I'm saying even if, even if Joe Biden were not running for president, if he were still a private citizen going off into the sunset, would it be OK for the president of the United States, yes or no, to ask another foreign leader to, to investigate to investigate an American citizen? That's not but that's not that that sounds like a very oversimplified view. Uh, presentation of what is happening here. What's happening here is the president of the United States says people are talking about this prosecutor okay. and how they stopped and excuse me, in this investigation. We have Joe Biden bragging on tape in January 2018, Dana, saying, and I said I'd be on the ground 90 more minutes. And if you don't believe me, call Barack. Okay. There's so, no evidence. I just, for the record, there is no evidence that Joe that? or Hunter Biden did anything and wrong. What let's move on. Let's There's move no on to the quote. Donald Trump did anything wrong. So let's go there. I'm not why saying he did. To, I'm asking you that very question. To, ha, why are we about to have public hearings? Okay, so let's talk to about that. president rather than voting on let's the talk about that. reducing drug prices, improving health care for the 28 million people. Because the Democrats won the House and they believe that is appropriate to look into impeachment. You're saying poor Hunter Biden and Joe Biden I never said that. I never said that. I'm just trying to correct the record. I want to move on to what you were saying, Kellyanne, about the quid pro quo. Because what we have seen are opening statements from House testimony from three U.S. officials describing quid pro quo. The top diplomat in Ukraine, Bill Taylor, said the following. Ambassador Sondland also told me that he now recognized that he had made a mistake by earlier telling the Ukrainian officials to whom he spoke that a White House meeting with President Zelensky was dependent on a public announcement of investigations. In fact, Ambassador Sondland said everything was dependent on such an announcement, including security assistance. Everything was dependent on an announcement of those investigations. And then he presented the text he received was, from was was the administration Sondland. holding up military aid in exchange for this investigation? They have the Joe aid; Biden. they're using the aid. They no, had no but such was it being held up Obama. at the time? Not so now. I then. think I think if you're going to do respectfully what Adam Schiff does, which is come out and cherry pick ten seconds or ten minutes of ten hours worth of testimony, the, the, we have no access to the full testimony because everything's been done in the dark and secret. That process has been flawed from the beginning. We cannot unscramble the egg, put the toothpaste back in the tube now, even now. But I'm not talking about the process. Later. I'm talking about the substance. So was what does military Taylor say aid? later? Was military aid? Later. I'm asking you just broadly. They've got their aid. And, and now the I'm talking about then. Said. Was it was there a time when military aid was held up 
because the president wanted Ukraine to look into the Biden. I don't know, but I know they've got their aid. And I know that. So it's possible Sondland, that that happened. Here's what's here's what's absolutely un, unimpeachably true. Ukraine has that aid. They have more aid than they had under the previous administration. But it is possible They're that using it was held up aid. at a time. The Ukrainian president said he had no idea aid was being held up. He felt no such pressure. He's speaking in that call about draining the swamp. He's complaining about Macron and Merkel, not Trump and the U.S. And to be fair to everybody who's watching and listening, Dana, Gordon Sondland then sends a text to Bill Taylor that says, I think you're wrong about this. There was no quid pro quo. So we have this to make is, sure people get the full picture. And we've all been deprived. Testimony. CNN, okay. the White House, we've all been deprived. There will, be, there will be public hearings, full, but, I, but I, I'm, well, not, I'm late, really trying to talk. I'm Why not, couldn't they get the process I'm not here right to defend or talk about the process. I really, because you're the counselor well, to the president, I want to talk about the substance of this. Because that's sure. really well, what is Well, let's talk about the substance. What is impeachment? What you are telling me is that you don't, it is possible that military aid was held up as the president asked for investigations into Joe What I'm telling you is Ukraine has the aid. And if we're going to impeach a president over different people's, quote, interpretations, who the last time I checked weren't elected to be the president of the United States and the commander-in-chief, respectfully, you have spent more time at this network this week talking about a a fantastically fantasy of impeaching the president than than we got... Then we got out Baghdadi and he's gone. Then we put out a okay. brand new treatment locator. Okay, that, find that, treatment that, that's, that's not fair, but I want to focus on what, what we're talking and, about and we right now. Can't talk about can it. you say definitively no quid pro quo for this military aid? No quid pro quo in this call in terms of the president. In terms Remember, of what actually happened CNN beyond the call. That there were eight of them. Where are they? Beyond the call. The just in general. It. In general, as a matter of policy and as a matter of events. Where was, was the there a quid pro quo? I'm asking you, was there president one? President Trump never said to the Ukrainian president, do this and you'll get your aid. It's simply not here. So it didn't happen. Nobody ever thought we'd release the transcript. Ladies and gentlemen, you can all see it. Go read it. So you feel Everybody has access to it. What we don't have access to, Dana, is what has happened over the last five or six so weeks. So you feel totally confident that the, at the core of this, the heart of this, Here's what I there feel was no quid about. pro quo. I feel confident about the fact that Ukraine has that aid and is using it right now, that it's because of this president that they have at the last, pre- the last administration. Kellyanne, you, you very notably won't say yes or no. It doesn't. Quid pro quo, yes all, or no. I just no. said to you. I don't know whether aid was being held up and for how long. I know that there were two senators, a Democrat and a Republican, who called over from Ukraine and inquired about the aid. But we're trying to impeach a president here now in this town across this country. Why? Because nothing in this conversation so far resonates with the country, especially in those 17 swing states, that would lead to a high crime or misdemeanor. That's why Nancy Pelosi has also said she's not sure... That will get there. They, she promised us six short months ago, Dana, she said impeachment would have to be overwhelmingly Wait, me, bipartisan. Not a single Republican followed her down there. In fact, two Democrats voted with Republicans. They can't justify this. And she said the public would have to be there. The public is not there. There is poll after poll. Okay, we're gonna, we have a Democrat on next, these, and we're going to ask about that very thing. National the polls don't matter about it. The president, the, state polls. the president has called Taylor and also uh, Lieutenant Colonel Venman quote, never Trumpers. These are two people who have, uh, who have testified in the past couple of weeks. This is how he described never Trumpers in a, in a tweet recently. The never Trumper Republicans, though on respirators with not many left, are in certain ways worse and more dangerous for our country than do-nothing Democrats. Watch out for them. They are human scum. These are both service members who have devoted He didn't decades. mention them by name when he said no, that. No, no, no. I'm talking, talking about, about other people. Okay, so he talked about never Trumpers. But then he also called Vinbin a never-Trumper, which, if you connect those dots, which he is doing, 
He's saying that they are human scum. Is that appropriate? He didn't call them. He didn't call those. He called them never scum. Trump Let Trumpers me, who he. Well, I don't know how they consider human here's scum. Here's what I'll say. I would never disparage the patriotism or the public service of Lieutenant Colonel Vinvin. That's a given for Kellyanne Conway. What I do call into question is, the, and so do the New York Times and Washington Post, apparently, his, Mr. Vinman's interpretation of the phone call, that's apparently what he wanted correct in the transcript. That was rejected because even the New York Times admitted this week in the Washington Post that what he wanted to correct had nothing to do with the ellipses. And number two, Dana, would not have changed the fundamental understanding of the lawmakers as goes that call. So that's very key. So, look, many people have testified, many people will testify, but we literally have Adam Schiff with zero credibility. Why you give him a platform, I'll never know. He's lied to CNN, he's lied to the American people. He leaks, no, he comes out and he tells us after eight or 10 hours of testimony, the 10 minutes he wants the country to know about. That is not the way democracy that is centered on the rule of law works. They're so upset. We're in the third year anniversary this week, Dana, of the biggest political upset in modern political history, they still can't. I need to move on to one other question before we before we run out of time. Yeah, but why did they admit what this is really about? Stop. Let's stop pretending this is about. This is not Ukrainian. We have aid. a Democrat on next. We are going to talk. But about let's not. Let's. That, I want to ask you about something that happened this weekend. A person sitting across from me, whom I respect greatly. Let's stop pretending this is about Ukrainian aid and a couple minute call between the presence of Ukraine okay. and the United States. This is Kellyanne, about. Kellyanne, I want to ask. Red ties, red hats, you. You and rednecks. You, you, no, you made your point. I want to ask about something that happened this weekend which is uh, their newly released memos that obtained obtained by CNN from the Mueller investigation. They show that President the president's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, blamed Ukrainians for hacking into DNC servers, even though U.S. intelligence had long concluded that Russia was responsible. As you know, the president is still echoing this conspiracy. So do you think that it was Russia or Ukraine that is responsible for the DNC hack? Well, I trust our intelligence officers, certainly. Let me just tell so you. So Russia. Who cares? Everybody, well, who, a lot of t- people in this country wanted to know your what was boss emails. Well, hold on. But my boss won. He became the president, even though people predicted that he couldn't do it or that he wouldn't last or that she can have a recount or that we're going to have Mueller. Then we're going to Does have Does he Ukraine. accept that it was Wait, Russia we'll and not Ukraine? Wait, other stuff in there. Well, first of all, what he accepts is the election results. And the person that he defeated... But I'm not asking won't. about the election results. Oh, no, no, I'm asking no, no. about Let's the U.S. And, the no, no, no. That's not what I'm asking. What Manafort Kelly had been fired I'm asking, others. I'm asking about the U.S. intelligence conclusion that it was Russia, not Ukraine. I just want to know from you, given these newly released memos that Paul Manafort was saying that it was actually... Paul perhaps, Manafort had long been fired. Yeah, but the president apparently Manafort, repeats that conspiracy. And, and respectfully, Do you I believe the campaign that, manager going on TV every single day... I, I'm talking about earlier. Not talking does the about, president of the United States, talk about what matters here, win. believe, does he believe that it was Russia who hacked the DNC and not well, you Ukraine? you know what the president believes. He said it, I don't. He about it many times. He said it could be Russia, could be Ukraine, could be a guy in New Jersey. He so he doesn't, that, that means times. he doesn't accept well, he's that talking about he's talking about interference overall. In other words, we don't want anyone to interfere... In these elections, we don't want Russia, Ukraine, okay. the media to put their thumbs on the scale, Adam Schiff, these people working in secret. Let the people decide who their president is. So trying and yes or no one more time before we wrap but this you, up. Does the president always, believe, as the U.S. intelligence community has concluded, that it was Russia? The president has great faith in the U.S. intelligence community. And let me just say this about those emails. They didn't 
matter. He won because he took his message. I know, directly. I know, he, I know. You're, I know the president wants Michigan to hear that, but that's, that's, but that's not. That's and by not the way, you don't see me on those emails for a very simple reason. I was busy Thank running you, around, including on CNN Daily, talking about where we're Thank going you. and which states we were going. We are out of time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dana. Thank you. Thank you very much. House Democratic leaders have long said support for impeachment should be bipartisan. So what changed? I'll talk with the number three House Democrat next. Welcome back to State of the Union. Democrats will accelerate their efforts this week to take the impeachment probe public after a procedural vote in the House that saw no Republican support. Joining me now is the number three Democrat in the House, South Carolina Congressman Jim Clyburn. Thank you so much for joining me, sir. I want to start by reading you something that the speaker said back in March. Here's what she said. She said, impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country and it's just not worth it. So this week, as you're well aware, the House voted to approve the procedures on impeachment with zero Republican support. So my question is, would you move forward with a vote on articles of impeachment if that remains true, that you have no Republican support? Well, thank you so much for having me, Dana, but we would. Absolutely. I think that when we talk about bipartisan support, we're not limiting that uh, to, uh, to the Congress. I've been watching the polls uh, all over the country. There is rising support within uh, Republican voters in favor of moving forward. Independents seem to be a majority of them seem to be in favor of moving forward and certainly overwhelmingly Democrats. So I think what the speaker was saying, that there needs to be bipartisanship, I don't think she was limiting that uh, to the Congress. She knows the Congress very well, and she knows uh, how our Republican colleagues are prone to vote on these issues uh, within the, uh, our but, body. But, but that a, is a vast, not reflective but, of the country. A vast majority of I'm Republicans, sorry? a vast majority of Republicans in these polls still very much oppose impeachment. And wouldn't it be true that if the polls changed that much, that the people who represent them would change along with it? Well, that may be true, but what's that level that we have to get to for them to change? I think that there are calculations here. Uh, the impeachment process itself is a political process, and uh, political calculations are being made inside the House, in the Senate, and around the country. So I, I do believe uh, that there is a lot of smoke that all of us see. There should be some fire somewhere and we should find the source of that fire and find the level of it to see what needs to be done to extinguish it. And that's exactly what we're doing here, if I might use that as a metaphor. So, uh, Congressman, some Republicans argue that while they uh, consider the president's interactions with Ukraine to be inappropriate, they say that they're not impeachable. The Constitution says, as you know, that the president must be impeached for, quote, treason, bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Which of those did the president commit? Well, I have no idea. And that's why we are doing this investigation. What I'm saying is there seems to be an indication that something was going on here. There could be high crimes and misdemeanors taking place. There might even be bribery uh, taking place. That's why you have an investigation. And that's what we're doing here. And starting this week, 
uh, we are going to release these transcripts for people uh, to see and read for themselves. We're going to have public hearings uh, starting maybe this week or next. And we will uh, get to the bottom of this. And then we would be able to make a determination at that time whether or not something happened that was treasonous. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people since I've been home uh, who believe uh, that it's treasonous on the part of this president. They certainly believe some crimes have been committed. So I want to talk about polling since you mentioned polling. There is new polling from The New York Times that showed a majority of voters in key swing states that helped elect Donald Trump, like Michigan, like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, they oppose impeaching the president and removing him from office. Um, I know that you believe moving forward with impeachment is important, or at least the inquiry, regardless of political consequences. But is it possible that this could have a negative impact on your party's prospects in 2020? Sure it could. And that would make this whole process uh, much more political uh, than I would like for it to be. I believe that this whole process, to me, is about preserving this republic, protecting the democracy that we hold dear. And I do not believe that we ought to allow our political feelings to get in the middle of this. This country is worth saving. And I do believe that we are in a crisis, much like that Thomas Paine wrote about back in 1776 when he talked about summer soldiers and sunshine patriots. We are seeing a lot of sunshine patriots who are challenging uh, the uh, authority of real brave soldiers and real patrons for Lieutenant Colonel uh, Vindman uh, to be uh, eviscerated the way this White House is a real patriot he is. Uh, and we've got so many sunshine patriots sitting in this White House. Uh, we ought to expose them. And I think the American people ought to have an opportunity to read what Mr. Vindman, uh, Lieutenant and Colonel they, Vindman had to say and, and make their own and they, judgments. And, and, they, and they will, because, as you said, the transcripts will be released. Um, you uh, have your finger on the pulse of that very important state where you are right now, South Carolina. Uh, in a key way. And I want to ask you about 2020. Uh, a new poll out of Iowa places South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg firmly within the top four contenders. That's not the case where you are in South Carolina, where he remains in low single digits. A local South Carolina paper obtained a memo from inside the campaign, the Buttigieg campaign, detailing a focus group with black voters, some of whom uh, didn't like that he was living with his husband. And the report concluded that, quote, being gay was a barrier for these voters. Is Mayor Buttigieg's, Buttigieg's struggle with black voters in your state of South Carolina because he's gay? Well, that's a generational issue. Uh, I know of a lot of people my age who feel that way. But I will say this, Dana, my own grandson, who is 20, I think is 25 years old, uh, that guy is a big Buttigieg guy. Uh, and, of course, uh, he does it because he believes in the guy, not because he's gay. My grandson. But for older uh, African-Americans, uh, it me, is an issue. I'm sorry. You're, are you saying for older African-Americans, it is an issue? Yes, it is. There's no question about that. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise, because I think everybody uh, knows that's an issue. Uh, but I'm saying 
is an issue, not the way it used to be. My own grandson <laughs> is very much for him. He is a paid staffer working on the campaign, right. uh, working on the campuses of HBCUs throughout South Carolina. Uh, and so he doesn't care what anybody my age thinks. Thank you, Mr. Clyburn. Thank you so much for, the, for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. And Democratic candidate Andrew Yang has a plan to pay stay-at-home parents for their work, and his message is resonating. I'll talk to Yang and his wife, Evelyn, in their very first joint interview. It's a CNN exclusive next. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Dana Bash. One one of the most hyped presidential candidates is ending his White House bid. And another who was completely unknown a year ago is hitting his stride. Andrew Yang raised an impressive $10 million last quarter, and his polling has kept him firmly on the debate stage. We sat down with the candidate and his wife, Evelyn, in Iowa for their very first joint interview. All right, good. You're saving our country. Working on it, brother. We can do it together. Andrew Yang couldn't wait for his warm-up act to finish. I think I'm going to go up there before the song's over, just to, like, rock out a little bit. He called this Iowa gathering Yangapalooza. And the rain-soaked crowd knows his core message as well as their favorite songs. That is not left. It's not right. It's forward! This businessman and political newcomer has become a contender by feeling the pain of workers and young people watching automation take human jobs. Do you think you're being taken seriously enough? Well, one of the the things I I tweeted was, um, it's all fun and games until Andrew Yang passes you in the polls. (laughs) (laughs) With staying power comes scrutiny, like on his health care plan. You told reporters in New Hampshire last week that you think, quote, outlawing private insurance in a very short period of time is a bit too disruptive and I would not do it. So how do you support Medicare for all and not outlaw private insurance? Well, there is a way to provide Medicare for all that does not prohibit private insurance. Uh, And the goal has to be to demonstrate to the American people that this Medicare plan is superior to your current insurance without pulling the rug out from under you and saying that the insurance no longer exists. Bernie Sanders' own campaign manager said about your stance on this, come on, you either take on corporate greed that rots the system or you don't. That you're calling this Medicare for all, but when you ask about the substance, you still want to keep private insurance, which is not Medicare for all. How do you respond? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because we had an internal debate about this. Like, what does Medicare for all mean? If you look at it, what does it say? Medicare for all, which means that you have a Medicare program that everyone can be enrolled in. So you're adopting the label, but not the bill. That's correct. Is that a little disingenuous to people looking for that you know, that flavor of a Democratic candidate, but with, you know, if they don't know the substance of your plan? Well, we're, we're clear about the substance of our plan in various uh, places, and we're going to have a, a more detailed uh, rollout uh, of the full plan in the days to come. Yang is on board with impeachment, but says fellow Democrats spend too much time talking about it and Donald Trump in general. Well, the downsides are that the entire country just gets engrossed in this impeachment process. And then we're going to look up uh, and be facing Donald Trump in the general election. Um, and we will not have made a real case to the American Is it going to hurt the Democratic nominee? There is a chance that it will. Uh, and I just saw that it seems like the significant number of candidates may be actually called to D.C. for 
the bulk of January, um, which would definitely take the focus away from the campaign. Wouldn't be bad for you, though. I would be right here in Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina um, or Nevada or someplace else campaigning. It's true. By his side more and more will be his wife, Evelyn, <laughs> who made her first campaign appearance here. Let's give a warm Yang Gang welcome to my wife, Evelyn Yang. In her first television interview, she describes her businessman husband's decision to run for president. I thought to myself, this will pass. This is not. <laughs> um, Just a phase. Yeah. And it was after the last election, and it seemed like he had a really bleak outlook of the future um, based on all the research he was doing. When I realized that he was serious was when he said he was going to quit his job. The freedom dividend and humanity first is the reason why I let him run for president. <laughs> she said, Andrew, there's no reason for you to do this because someone else is going to run <laughs> like odd universal basic income and the automation of jobs. And I was like, I'm not sure that's really happening. Yang discusses his family a lot, especially their seven-year-old son, Christopher, who is autistic. Why is it so important to you both to talk about your son? It would never occur to me not to talk about our son. And just did that, you know, uh, um, we love him dearly. We want to share, uh, you know, his story with the world. And at first, you know, I was actually sheepish about being, um, it, having our, our family in, in the public at all. But uh, I do think that it's really important to talk about because there's all this stigma around special needs and autism specifically, and, and there really shouldn't be because, um, you know, all our children have something special to offer, and our son has made our family better. Evelyn Yang stopped working outside the home in 2012 after Christopher was born. I just never went back to work because um, motherhood being, ended up being a lot harder than I expected. And that's the whole core of your campaign right, is, is a yeah. universal basic income. How much of that is not just people who are going to get automated out of a job, but people who are working at home? Yeah, it's stay-at-home parents, it's caregivers, it's nurturers. It's also uh, even volunteers and artists and people that do things that help move society forward, but right now don't get any recognition. It's the message of this new campaign video. You know, Andrew has said that women do the hardest, most unrecognized work in our society. I have to ask you about your relationship. When you met, mm -hmm. you have said that he had no game. <laughs> yeah, she did say that. So, yeah, what is no game? <laughs> so, so what does no game, Andrew Yang, look like? Not this. <laughs> Uh, no game. Why did I say that? It's because, you know, it was just so clear. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked that. I really liked that about him. He just, he wore his heart on his sleeve from the very beginning. How does it feel? It's a lot, but it's fun. Now she's marching in the rain with a husband she never thought would run for anything, much less president. Seeing the people that have... Um, just taking this campaign up on their shoulders and elevated at every turn. Uh, it's the and man that you're one of the supporters who tattooed your face. 
on bringing. his calf. Yeah, you can't see that coming. Um, but right. there's, there's also have you done that? I, no, and I, and I said, I said, <laughs> Andrew, I think free, I, I think he loves you more than I do because I would never <laughs> tattoo your face on my body. <laughs> but it's that kind of passion. It's that kind of love. That kind of support that has been, I mean, sh shocking to me. The Democratic candidates drew big cheers from their supporters in Iowa this weekend, but the field is still fractured and Democratic voters' choices are still fluid. We're going to talk about that next. I'm here to launch the era that must come next. The first thing we have to do is get rid of Donald Trump. Get him out of office. And once that happens, the road is clear. Fear and complacency does not win elections. Real change never takes place without struggle. Today marks exactly one year until Election Day 2020, and candidates, as you heard, are making their pitches to Iowa voters as a new poll this week shows a top-heavy race in that first caucus state with no clear leader. Take a look at this. Warren, 22 percent. Sanders, 19 percent. Buttigieg, 18 percent. Biden, 17 percent. Let's discuss. Um, I was there on Friday night for this uh, this Iowa Democratic dinner where all of the candidates came and, and showed their stuff. And it was really uh, noteworthy, I thought, that uh, that the Buttigieg campaign made such a big effort to show force. They had they had they filled probably more, definitely more seats than anybody else, flew in a lot of people who are not from Iowa. Uh, what does that tell you? And, and what does it tell you about where he is in the polls in Iowa? Well, that's the oldest trek flying in a lot of people. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it means a caucus win. That's no, it. that's right. Yeah. Listen, we're now at the final stage. I remind you that in 2004, uh, it was Howard Dean and Dick Gephardt that were far out front in the Iowa caucus, mm -hmm. and they're all shifted, you know, in the last two months. And that clearly could happen again. Anybody can win the Iowa caucus. Uh, but now you're going to see the winnowing process. You saw Beto pull out. Candidates are beginning to run out of money. Candidates are beginning to close offices. So we're going to get down to five or six now, and then we're going to get to a real discussion on issues, on health care and all the issues that the American public care about, you know, reducing prescription drugs. So this is when it's really going to get exciting. It's going to get windowed down here very quickly. But Iowa, uh, having been there for many years, it's got a long way to go. Anybody could win Iowa. And he has a lot of money, so that helps. Uh, anytime you have a lot of resources, you can buy people in. But I also will say I know Mayor Pete uh, and I hear from many people, uh, they like what he's saying. When they meet him, they, they do really like him. I'm not saying they're going to vote for him, but uh, he is appealing. I tell you, uh, my people in Iowa tell me he's got something going on. And he also has possibly a calendar advantage. You look at the polls you just showed, the two people leading, two senators. Mm -hmm. if we, <laughs> when we have an impeachment trial, they got to gavel in every morning at right. 10 a.m., six days a week, trapping all those Democrat senators in Washington, D.C., while Mayor Pete gets to run wild through the Iowa countryside. So he's going to have a campaign advantage when they trap his two leading opponents in Washington. That's exactly what I was talking about with Andrew Yang in Iowa in the last segment. You mentioned the, the substance and the policy, so let's dig in, because one of the big, big stories this week was Elizabeth Warren putting out a detailed uh, Medicare for All plan. She says it's $20 trillion in cost does not include, she says, raising middle taxes. Some of her opponents disagree with that. Uh, and one of them is the former vice president, Joe Biden. Listen to what he said about that in her response. Just get real with numbers. 
It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult way to get there, what she's talking about. If anyone uh, wants to defend keeping those high profits for insurance companies, then I think they're running in the wrong presidential primary. Yeah. Uh, first of all, as a conservative who watched the 2016 primary uh, on our side, uh, crowded primary, no clear front runner, everything should go fine. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to the, the issues that they're talking about in the Democratic primary, it, to me, they are issues that Democratic base wants to hear about, but are very tricky if they're done within earshot of the rest of the electorate. Um, healthcare is one of those things. There's not an easy or even a good answer to how you're going to pay for Medicare for all. And if you look into the details of Warren's plan, you will find that, that things like waste, fraud and abuse. She's using, I think, different terminology for it. But the classic Washington way you claw back money that doesn't really exist uh, is waste, fraud and abuse. And there's just not enough in any of the pots she's going to. The other issue they're talking about is impeachment, which, as our own Harry Anton at CNN has, has said, is a little trickier in swing states than it is in the national polling, polling or in this city where there is undoubtedly a feeling that this is inexorably and imminently happening. So uh, on Medicare for all, um, you've been around a campaign yep. or two, had yep. your own, worked yep. on others. Is this a positive, what she put out this week, if she is the nominee, or is it going to hurt her in the general if she is? Well, I think she had to put it out because everybody was saying, well, how are you going to pay for us? This would be a big issue in all the debates. It's expensive. Uh, my concern is we as Democrats are not focusing on reducing prescription drug costs in the things that you know, Americans are dealing with every single day. When you get in this discussion, Medicare for all, in these debates, it's mind-numbing for folks. I think a lot of them turn off the TV. we got to deal with this issue of health care. It is key. But, you know, we talk about impeachment. I can tell you, we have elections in Virginia in two days. This will be historic for us. For the first time in 26 years, the Democrats can win both chambers with the governorship. It looks like today we're going to be able to do it. I think impeachment in Virginia has helped us. I'm not sure it's helped in Kentucky and Mississippi and other states, but it has got our base energized to come out on Tuesday. Here we are. The White House is one and a half miles from Virginia. Donald Trump can't come to Virginia and campaign. Now, he'll go play golf there. But think about that. The incumbent president in a, the only state where both chambers can switch, Donald Trump cannot come and campaign there. He's very unpopular. The Roanoke poll has him at 27 percent approval rating. So when you talk about impeachment and the political implications in Virginia, I can tell you, it's reminding folks why we got to have. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because there are there are elections on Tuesday. We yeah. have Virginia and we have Kentucky represented yeah. here. I'm guessing what you're seeing in Kentucky is the opposite of what you're seeing in Virginia when it comes to the political implications of impeachment. Yeah, Governor Matt Bevin, the Republican incumbents locked in a close race with Andy Bashir, uh, whose dad was governor of Kentucky. And impeachment has helped Matt Bevin because it's nationalized the race and it's turned it more into a shirts and skins exercise. But on the same token, if Donald Trump can't campaign in Virginia, not one of these Democrats, these 20-something Democrats running for president, can step foot in Kentucky and campaign for Andy Bashir, who's in a close race and could probably use some help. But no Democrat presidential candidate can come there and campaign because the Democrats are so, the national Democrats are so unpopular. So obviously we have a polarized environment, blue states and red states. So the fact that Trump can't campaign in Virginia doesn't tell me all that much when the Democrats can't campaign in a lot of states. We have there. a sitting Democratic congresswoman at the table. Come down. I wish I were running for president. He asked me to come down. I could have gone. Well, you, 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 you had the did option. Did you not? <laughs> you have an announcement to make? No. <laughs> as, as a sitting uh, congresswoman at the table, I do want to say one thing. We are working on health care. We have H.R. 3 now named Elijah Cummings 
uh, bill. So we are working on lower. We are working on lowering prescription costs. I'm on Energy and Commerce and the Healthcare Committee. So we are focusing on that ways and means is having hearings about it, ed and labor. So we are doing those things. And one thing that Nancy Pelosi has always said, that we're investigating, litigating, but we're also legislating. We're doing it and passing a lot of bills to the Senate. The House is doing it. Well, the House. I said we're doing yeah, it. The House. As Scott noted, uh, you can do all those things and then get too hampered by having folks in Washington, D.C. and being too focused on this. Because I, I do think there's an overwhelming sense mm-hmm. in this town, and as there was with the Russia investigation, that he will eminently, inexorably be impeached and removed. And that is just not yeah. the same feeling as people have in someplace like Wisconsin. Thank you all for joining us doing this our, morning. We think we're doing our job. Thank you, Congresswoman. Thank you all for this uh, discussion. Thank you so much <laughs> for spending your time with us this morning. Fareed Zakaria, GPS is next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.